So, daylight saving time. <laughs> you have to forgive me if I am a little bit groggy this morning. By a show of hands, how many of you were tempted to sleep in this morning and skip church? Okay, all right, not as many of you as I thought, okay. And here you are, though, you made it. You resisted the temptation. From the looks of things, um, some of your siblings in Christ did not <laughs> resist that temptation. Temptation. It is the first Sunday in Lent. And on this first Sunday in Lent, we are always given an account from either Matthew or Mark or Luke of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness after his baptism. This morning we heard from Luke, who tells us that Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. During this time, Jesus fasts, and as you might imagine, becomes famished. It is into that space of hunger and vulnerability that the devil steps to tempt Jesus. First with bread, then with worldly power, and finally with an attempt to, to force God to reveal God's favor and protection of Jesus. And each step, Jesus resists the temptation, and so the devil departs until a more opportune time. If we look at these temptations, we might wonder what the big deal is. Who would have been harmed if Jesus had turned a stone into a loaf of bread? Wouldn't the world have been a better place if Jesus ruled from a, a traditional seat of power, even if it had to have been won through violence? And finally, would we not have all profited from a more definitive sign of God's favor of Jesus. On the surface, these temptations are no big deal, but, but here's the thing. These temptations are about gratifying the self over and above others, in, including and especially God. The devil tempts Jesus to, to selfishly use his power for his own needs and for his own self-aggrandizement. To succumb to these temptations would be to reveal a lack of trust in God. This Jesus makes clear when he quotes scripture to the devil. Each quote reveals Jesus' faith, manifesting itself as dependence on God. Jesus quotes scripture, it illustrates this, it is God who sustains. It is God who is to be served and worshiped. It is God who is to be trusted and not tested. And so all three temptations are really one. And the single temptation Jesus faces is to use God for his own ends. Indeed, the temptation is to turn God into a means to an end. And though it would seem that all of these temptations are directed to some greater good, to surrender to any of them would be a put would be to put a wedge between God and Jesus. Ultimately, all of these temptations 
are to a form of idolatry. Now, the church has always found solace and strength in these accounts of Jesus' temptations. I say solace because here we see Jesus, the Word made flesh, the Son of God, tempted in just the same way as we are tempted. Jesus stands with us in our weakness and in our vulnerability. In Christ, we see that God is in complete solidarity with us in our brokenness, in our temptations, and even in our failures. And it is this solidarity which heals and renews. For Jesus renews and transforms human nature by entering into the calamity of our condition and by lovingly surrendering to God in every aspect of his life and his death. And as we come to live into this reality of God's solidarity with us, then in the process, we will come to discover our own natures are being transformed. When by God's grace, our personal relationship with God develops, then we come to know ourselves to be in Christ and will grow into the unity that God has already accomplished for us in Christ. And it's for this reason that I say that the church has not only found solace, but also strength. Here we see Jesus being faithful to God for us. But Jesus not only stands with us in our need, but reveals to us how we can live. Jesus becomes our exemplar. Jesus becomes our model. Like Jesus, we can come to be nourished by God's word and trust in God's loving care. It is through a life of intimate communion with God that we will come to most truly live as we learn to grow into that place of radical trust in God. But as we strive to do so, we will inevitably find ourselves tempted, tempted in myriad ways. And I want to tell you today that I think that there's a gift in this temptation. There is a gift in temptation. And to see this, I want us to look at this season of Lent. Because one of the odd things about Lent is that the church actually encourages us to be tempted. We are encouraged to fast or to adopt some form of self-denial. And so, of course, that means that we are, we are welcoming a certain amount of temptation. If we are not tempted, then we haven't really given something up or taken anything of real substance on. If, if we've adopted a practice, or if we've given something up, and we don't feel tempted, then frankly, we are doing it wrong, okay? <laughs> now, the point of encouraging and welcoming temptation is not to prove to ourselves or to God 
how tough we are. It's not about being perfect. It's not about getting it all right. God does not love us less if we succumb to our temptation to enjoy dessert or to to check in on social media after having given these things up. Nor does God love us less if we resist those desires, but then succumb to the temptation of pride for having successfully accomplished (laughs) our Lenten fast. No, we we do not encourage temptation to see how strong we are. Rather, we welcome temptation because it is clarifying. We welcome temptation because it is revealing. Temptations and facing temptations show us something about who we are. Temptations show us a bit about what we long for and what we think might satisfy our restless hearts, even when we know that the thing that tempts us will probably accomplish no such thing. Facing temptations, then, is a form of training, where we get to exercise our muscles of living in communion with God. Facing temptations helps us to become more aware. Facing temptations helps us to see our frailty. Facing temptations helps us to see our absurdity, and thus might help us have compassion for the frailty and absurdity of others. Facing temptations can knock us down a peg, can knock us down a peg in order to throw us into the arms of a loving God who is only looking to catch us. If you have not given anything up or taken something on in this season of Lent, then I want to encourage you to do so. It is not too late. Begin tomorrow. Pick something small or large. Choice is yours. But don't be overly concerned with the results. Because ultimately, you are trusting in God's mercy and in God's forgiveness, whether you succeed or whether you fail. But pick something and see what happens. See what temptations arise. See how subtle your mind is. See how your desires shape you and mold you as a person. Ask yourself as you face your temptations, what is it that you really want? What is it that you really long for? Come to know yourself a little more deeply, and then come to know that this person that you discover is truly and utterly beloved by God. Now, of course, we know that temptations come in all shapes and sizes, from minuscule to major, from perfectly harmless to absolutely and completely self-destructive. 
with everything in between. And as such, I'm not encouraging us to be complacent. We must be both strenuous and relaxed as we face our temptations. We must recognize that surrendering to even the smallest temptation pulls us just a bit away from God. But this awareness must be coupled with a greater awareness of the tenderness and mercy of God. We might pull away, but God draws near, nearer to us in the process. Our awareness of our frailty should and must go hand in hand with an awareness of God's ever-abiding and ever-faithful love for us. And so open yourself this season of Lent. Embrace the gift of temptation. Come to know yourself more fully and come to know God's love more deeply. Amen.